0: Once we got in, we were like, this is our only account. We were only in one Whole Foods, it was a local account. We were like, <laughs> this is our only account, this is all we got. Let's make it the best ever. Mm. So that first day our product was available on the shelf, this was a few weeks after that initial order. We figured out how to make it and, and sort of scale enough for that, um, and, and that first day, we uh, we broke the store's weekly sales record in the first four hours because the three of
1: them- That's Jim DeSeco talking about the story of Super Coffee, and how he and his two brothers created this company, broke sales records, and are now one of the top beverages out there in the sort of niched Super Coffee, protein coffee space. And this was all born from Jordan, the younger brother, who was just messing around in his dorm room one day. we're gonna talk about this entire story, how it all came down, how they kind of scrappily put everything together, and where things are at now, and where things are headed. So sit tight, make sure you subscribe, let's do this.
0: Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he runs his business with the goal of earning a thank you note from you, Pat Flynn.
1: Now, as you know, On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today in session 336 of the SPI podcast. My name is Pat Flynn. I'm here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. To Help us along today. We have the CEO of Super Coffee, Jimmy DeCicco, the eldest of three brothers. He, Jordan, and Jake came up with this thing called Super Coffee. We're going to talk about the origin story, the ups, the downs, the all-arounds, the wins, the losses, all those good things. Plus, we're going to learn what they learned from a mentor in the food and beverage space and how they even got on Shark Tank and whether they did well on there or not. So stick around. Good stuff coming. This is Jimmy from Super Coffee. Jimmy, what's up, man? Welcome to the SPA podcast. Thanks for being here today. Pat,
0: thank you, brother. It's good to be
1: here. Dude, I'm super stoked. I wish we could, and maybe we'll do this in the future, have Jordan and Jake, your brothers, on the show at some point, too, because I'd love to get a feel for just kind of the family dynamic of like how you guys all run business together. But we'll save that for a later date. Tell me a little bit about how you and Jordan and Jake kind of got started with uh, the business that you're in. And why why don't you just quickly introduce uh, to everybody, what is your business?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jimmy DeCito. I'm the oldest brother and CEO of Super Coffee. And uh, this is a, a company started by my two younger brothers back in 2016, Jake and Jordan. We were all college athletes. And Jordan was a full scholarship basketball player, falling asleep in class. He had 5 a.m. practice and he uh, his school store only offered the sugary bottled coffees and energy drinks that we're all familiar with. And he refused to drink that stuff. And uh, he turned to a blender in his dorm room and started making his own energy solutions. Um, Things like bulletproof coffee and and different variations of organic coffees and healthy fats and really Mm -hmm. eliminated the sugars. And uh, what he ended up with was organic coffee with 10 grams of protein, uh, zero sugar, lightly sweetened with monk fruit and five grams of healthy fat known as MCT oil from coconut oil. And it worked so well for him and his teammates that he, he started selling it and uh, Jordan ended up dropping out of school. He accepted the, the Peter Thiel fellowship to, to get the company going, and now three years later, we, uh, we've raised five million bucks. We, we've got fifteen full-time employees, and uh, we're, we're cranking, man. It's been a it's been a fun ride,
1: dude. That's insane. So, so this was started by your younger brother. When did you get on board?
0: Um, I got on board the so September of, of 2015 was when he made the decision to drop out of school. And at the time, I was a financial analyst for the Blackstone Group here in New York City. I, I played football at Colgate University, and Blackstone was my first job out of school. Finance wasn't really my thing. And, and when I heard Jordan was giving up his scholarship to, to drop out and sell coffee, uh, I was like, man, you, you can't do this alone. I, I heard the conviction in his voice. He, he, he put together a pretty compelling business plan and, and saw the opportunity in the market. So I got involved three months after after he made the decision to drop out, and 2016 was our first year in business.
1: That's really cool. It's interesting how you were like, Jordan, dude. Like, I can see how much passion you have. Versus, Jordan, dude. Like, what are you doing here? Why are you giving up school and all the like? I would just imagine that there could likely be. I don't know if uh, how your parents felt, but like a lot of uh, anxiety and just pain around the idea of like dropping out of school, which is kind of what we're all taught to do. Is we're we're taught to go to school and finish and then have these jobs. But like, was there any sort of like? What are you doing here, Jordan? From anybody?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, it, it was it was very painful. You know, it wasn't as easy as I, I made it seem. And uh, Jordan was—he's always been a kid that's had this obsessive personality. You know, like he'd be—he'd go into the backyard when we were kids, and he would just throw the whistle ball up to himself and, and and play these stationary games. Of it was as if he was Derek Jeter in the World Series. You know, for hours, and uh, that that passion sort of caught caught a hold of basketball and. I mean, this is he would skip high school to go shoot free throws at the YMCA, and his dream was to end up in the NBA, and uh, I, I saw that, and as soon as I saw that obsessive personality shift from basketball into entrepreneurship, I, I sort of knew there was no stopping him, no, no matter how much my mom or dad or myself thought it was a bad idea, mm-hmm. and coming from a family, our dad's a civil engineer, and my mom used to teach uh, athletic classes at the YMCA, Like we don't know about entrepreneurship, right? I didn't know what a startup was or a pitch deck was. Like we knew Mark Zuckerberg, but that was it. Like it was a, it was a very, like we candidly, I think that naivety has has sort of led to some of the success because we're doing it our own way.
1: So I'm curious, like you are the CEO, Jordan was the founder. What made you come on board as the CEO? Like what kind of skills do you bring to the business here?
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm sort of a jack of all trades. I, I think the, the biggest skill that I bring is one, the, being the oldest of three brothers, I, I'm sort of naturally uh, a leader just because that was the dynamic growing up. Um, I was the captain of my college football team, and I've, I've sort of gravitated towards things where, where I got to lead groups of people. Uh, but the, my, my biggest strength and asset has been um, sort of networking and, and building these interpersonal relationships where Jordan is this innovative entrepreneur and, and our middle brother, Jake, is the, uh, the fearless salesman, um, it, it's really a perfect storm because the three of us operate as one. And a lot of investors are, are reluctant to invest in, in brothers, but the dynamic here is, is very special and unique. And I, I don't think it would have worked otherwise.
1: Now, tell me the truth. Have, have there ever been any fights or quarrels between you guys related to the business or has it all been unicorns and rainbows all the way through?
0: Oh no! Yeah, I mean for sure, a ton of fights and every day we're we're all competitive guys, right? Like we used to get in fist fights in the backyard playing a game of pickup basketball. <laughs> uh, so there's there's still fights, and in the early days, uh, it, there was certainly ego involved among the three of us. Like Jordan wanted to be the CEO because it was his idea, and then Jake and I thought we should send him back to school because he needed to to grow up and mature a little bit. So um, once we once we squashed the ego. The fights, like, oh, we're each committed to this vision and this dream, but the fights come about the subjective things, like, what should the labels look like, or what should we name this flavor, and mm-hmm. it's when there's when there's no data or when there's no objective, objective answer, it's like, we can fight all day about it, and I, I've learned just to shut it off and go to sleep.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Now, I'm curious, going back to Jordan in his dorm room, blending this, like, new concoction, I imagine a lot of the people listening right now have done similar things, right? Like they invent something or they come up with some idea and they just go, oh, this is cool. Maybe one day I could turn it into a business. What actually made this actually turn into a business? What, what did you do from the moment that this thing was like concocted to actually turn it into a business? I'm sure there were a lot of steps and some questions that needed to be answered.
0: Yeah, a ton of them. And I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes of like the the, the key um, I, I guess checkpoints in the, in the genesis of this thing. And, and one of them, uh, our middle brother Jake was when the, at the time Jordan dropped out of school, Jake was a senior on the football team at Georgetown University and the Georgetown Business School had a startup program for, for summer students. And, uh, that sort of gave us the structure to build a business plan and, and a pitch deck and things like that. And, mm-hmm. um, there were certain steps of, of creating a minimum viable product and, and starting out for example, at farmers markets and things like that. And Jordan Ted was always in the clouds. He was like, "Look, I'm not going to go door to door in these dorm rooms to collect case studies and and focus groups. I'm going to Whole Foods." So that's what we did. We uh, we went to Whole Foods right on Wisconsin Avenue in Washington D.C. and we bought a 12 pack of Honest Tea. Uh, Seth Goldman from Honest Tea, they he's the CEO. They got acquired by Coke, but they're based in Bethesda, Maryland, so not far from Georgetown. Seth quickly ended up becoming one of our mentors. But anyways, this day, we bought a case of Honest Tea, glass bottles, brought it back to Jake's uh, apartment off campus, this dirty basement, ripped off all the Honest Tea labels, dumped out the product, and we filled up the bottles with Jordan's dorm room blend of super coffee. And we, we wrapped stickers on them. I think we got stickers from like Sticker Mule that were labeled with nutrition facts and all that. We go back to that same Whole Foods later that day. We say, hey, guys, we're, we're super coffee and you don't carry anything like this. And... The guy, like, we we he sampled it right there. He, he, We told him the story, why he needed it. Coffee was trending and all that. And he was like, great, I'll take eight cases. And we were no like. No way. Yeah. Like, right yes, then yes. and there. Right then and there. Who I mean, did you talk to? Like, just, was it
1: the, it wasn't the clerk or the counter person, right? It was like, who did you speak to?
0: Yeah, so he was the grocery manager. And each section of the grocery store, there's like a, a category manager for dairy and produce and meats and all that. Uh, but this guy was the grocery manager. He was like, we'll take you in. And to to answer your question about how we how we got started and how we knew, once we got in, we were like, this is our only account. We were only in one Whole Foods as a local account. We we're like, <laughs> this is our only account. This is all we got. Let's make it the best ever. Mm. So that first day, our product was available on the shelf. This was a few weeks after that initial order. We figured out how to make it and, and sort of scale enough for that. Um, and and that first day we uh we broke the store's weekly sales record in the first four hours because the three of us were in there pouring samples, calling all of our friends, and that type of velocity or that type of excitement uh allowed us to get into an, another whole foods and then another one and, and before you knew it we were in we were in twenty five whole Foods from d c to Baltimore, and uh wow. the business was really born
1: that's really cool okay so the the two weeks between when this grocery person says yes, we want you in." we'll order eight cases and then two weeks later when you have those cases in there and you kind of launch at the whole foods, like tell me what those two weeks were like. Did you like scram? Like, were you in like a kitchen doing these things and like, where did you get your bottles from? And you know, tell me how that all went down first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was more like six weeks, two weeks. Like we finished, we did the paperwork in two weeks and then we still had to figure out everything you just said. Where are we going to sort the bottles from? Where are we? And, and in food and beverage, you, you contract out the manufacturing to, to co-packers or contract packers and it's basically factories that have the production lines and the facilities for, for you to use that are all food grade. And, and, um, the, the challenge is there's, it, it costs money to set up these lines and clean them and, and do all that. Um, so these, these co-packers, these big manufacturers don't want to work with small brands because. The size of the runs that we were producing weren't even worth their time to set up the line for us. Mm-hmm. So we drove up to Baltimore. There's a Baltimore is a big Domino Sugar hub, and we got it the back of this old Domino Sugar factory. the The guy who owned it gave us a an old production line that didn't really work, and we uh, we started brewing our own stuff. He was like, "Guys, you can you can work the night shift. Come in, work from from eight to four a.m., eight p.m. to four a.m." Uh, and there better not be a drop of coffee on my equipment when I come in in the morning. Wow. So that's what we did. We showed up, we brewed this stuff with our own, like, ladles. And, and, like, I remember I dropped the, uh, I dropped a cup into this 100 pound kettle or 100 gallon kettle of super coffee in the early days. I had to go, like, armpit deep into this thing, this batch of coffee and scoop it out. And I mean, the next day we delivered that to Whole Foods.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm (laughs) now thinking about, not just from that example alone but just with food in general you have you, i know that there are a lot of regulations and sanitary things uh and just like i'm sh- i mean i'm creating a physical product right now with my buddy Caleb and it's something that doesn't need to be tested for consumption which is good but coffee people consume that people can get sick people could potentially die like how do you ensure that with something like that you are following all the rules properly
0: yeah so so when you, you have these uh, these kill steps or these pasteurization processes so um the, first of all the facility was totally certified by the fda they had all the regulations mm-hmm. and all these all these qualifications and all that because they were doing other food grade products um and after that like after we we brewed the batch and poured it into the bottles it would go through this this kill step and in those days it was called hpp which was high pressure pro- processing mm-hmm. or pasteurization and that's um, it basically extends the shelf life. It, it kills the bacteria and gives us a, a, or it gave us a refrigerated shelf life. So think of cold pressed juices like Suja or Blueprint. Um, yeah. same deal. Um, so that, that was it. But dude, you'd be surprised. Like there was nobody watching us. Like we could have, we could have dumped whatever we wanted into this vat and, and, and those, it, which was shocking to me because like we trust as, as consumers, we trust what's on the shelves of those grocery stores to be safe and sanitary and like, people could make this stuff in their bathtub and, and, and sell it in, in in local cases, not mainstream. Right.
1: That scares me a little bit, but, and just to go back to your story earlier about dropping the thing in the vat, like I'm guessing that you put gloves on and kind of made it safe. And, you know, obviously you guys are following all the rules, right? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and and candidly, if like the wrong person was listening to this, we could probably get in trouble for that story, but like there was, it was scrappy and it's not like this wasn't Kraft Heinz, right? We we didn't have the, the, the total, the total operation. Today we're produced basically in a Nestle facility that that can do a 500 million bottles in a a week. It's a, a huge, huge state of the art facility. Uh, but we had to work our way up to get to that point.
1: Yeah. And you had mentioned a really key word there and that's scrappy. I think a lot of us entrepreneurs, we start scrappy. I started scrapping and scrappy in 2008 online, uh, with things, figuring things out as I went, um, for you, I mean, there's a lot of things here that I would assume that you didn't know you had to do until you just kind of had to figure it out. So what gave you, or and, like, how did you determine what to do next? Like, were was there a mentor or somebody who was just like, okay, your next step is this, or was it YouTube or like, how did you even know what to do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of that, um, a lot of that involved. And, and before Seth Goldman would talk to us, he was like, look, guys, I I admire what you're about to do. Beverage industry is tough. I wrote a book about it. So read my book and then talk to me. So Seth's book was called mission in a bottle. And it sort of laid out the steps of how Seth left the corporate world. He teamed up with his partner from the Yale school of management and they started honest tea and it, it laid out the process that he went through. So that was like the blueprint for us getting the business off the ground. But having the, the playbook and executing on the plays is two totally different things. Um, so once once we had that di- direction and guidance, like just very vague guidance, we we sort of figured it out with that scrappy in- intuitive and, and candidly, like knowing what I know now, we could have done it much, much more efficiently. Uh, that said, we, I mean, we built this thing from the very bottom, the very step. So there's not one piece of this business that we don't understand fully.
1: That's cool. I love that. And I'm on your website now, drinksupercoffee.com. And I had uh, the pleasure of having some delivered to me, thanks to you. And it was delicious. And I have it in my in my studio, in my office. It's great. I love Bulletproof coffee. So to see another option out there like this with all the different flavors you have is it, it, super cool. But it's really interesting on the website, like you have this sort of mission statement and you share the, the family and you have this amazing story to go uh, kind of along with it. Um, which is great for marketing and just to kind of have us build a real relationship with you as, as we're consuming the product, which is, which is fantastic. What other than kind of the hustle and going into Whole Foods, like what has helped you get on the map? Were there any key moments? Was there like a Shark Tank appearance and, and other things like that that kind of give you a huge boost in, in exposure?
0: Yeah, yeah, so we, uh, we did go on Shark Tank. You did go was on Shark amazing. Tank? We did. We did. We, uh, so we filmed our episode of shark tank in June of 2017 and the episode aired on February 11th of 2018. Um, we didn't do a deal, but it was a very fortuitous episode because our guest shark was a guy named Rohan Oza and Rohan was the former chief marketing officer of vitamin water. They call him the brand father, the Hollywood brand father, right? He's an investor. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he got 50 cent and Jennifer Aniston involved in vitamin water and smart water. He got Justin Timberlake involved in buy. Mm-hmm. and he knows the industry really well. So um, it was great to, to be able to pitch him on, on national TV. He, he really uh, validated what we were doing, sort of commending us for recognizing this seismic shift from uh, American consumer mentality where carbs and sugars are out and healthy fats and proteins are in. Um, and though we didn't do a deal, that was all we needed to to really validate this thing for for private investors as well as buyers and, and new grocery grocery stores and accounts.
1: That's so interesting. So, did you pitch to get on Shark Tank, or how did like if I if I wanted to go on Shark Tank for something, or somebody in the audience wanted to do to do that? Like, how did you even make that happen?
0: Yeah. So there's a, there's a general casting right there's a auditions and stuff. I that the, the numbers suck. It's forty thousand people who apply for a hundred castings each year, a hundred filmings for, and and those odds are terrible, right? Any, any entrepreneur, like we were so adverse to to doing that because we saw it as a distraction. Mm. Um, But as entrepreneurs, you, you, you have to create your own luck. And um, the, like I said, we filmed in June, in April, I was just surfing through LinkedIn and I saw a secondary connection comment on another entrepreneur's post saying, Hey, this is interesting. If you want to get on Shark Tank, hit me up. So I I intercepted that. I slid into this guy's DMs and I was like, hey man, what's this deal about Shark Tank? And before, I mean, an hour after that maybe, he introduced us to a producer. We got like a direct call to that that producer and he was like, this story is great. You still got to do your application and your audition video, but I'll put it at the top of the pile rather than doing this whole 40,000 people pitch. So. Um, we did it. It was it was really cool. And, and 30 days after that, we were flying out to Los Angeles to pitch in front of Mark Cuban and the Sharks.
1: That's crazy. So it's it's really about who you know, and you know the fact that you were paying attention to conversations that were happening out there, and you took the effort to just like you said, just slide right in and go, hey, like, what's the deal with this? I, I mean, that like you said, you, you made your own luck there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you got to be lucky, and 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 there's some really good lines about luck out there, like. Yeah, I've never heard of somebody getting lucky like sitting on the couch, right? And, and, and entrepreneurs who are out there pursuing their dreams, sort of hustling and, and putting in the effort, you're going to get lucky. That, that, that's how you. That's how you create these breaks. It's not something that you learn by getting an MBA.
1: Why don't you think you got a deal on Shark Tank?
0: Um a few different reasons. We had a pretty heavy valuation. Um, and for context for your listeners, we were, we had about a a million dollar run rate in in revenue at the time we 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 went on Mm -hmm. and we were, we were basically asking for a million dollars for 10% of the company. So we were valuing Mm -hmm. ourselves at $10 million. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, uh, they they, they kind of laughed at that. Uh, but at at the time, like food and beverage companies are, are valued at a three to five times multiple of trailing 12 month revenue. And those are mature companies. For us, we haven't even gotten started yet today. You know, like we'll do 5 million in revenue this year, but our our future is, is bright and like our, the best is yet to come. So we we don't like looking at the last 12 months. We're like, let's look to the next 12 months and the next 12 months after that. So probably valuation was the biggest thing. Those sharks want some, some significant ownership if they're going to put their skin in the game.
1: Yeah, well, that makes sense. Plus you have this really interesting model of, of the recurring model, right? Like people can pay a subscription to get, super coffee delivered to them directly, which is not unusual these days, but definitely in, in the beverage industry, you know, something that's kind of new and innovative right now, right?
0: Yeah, no, and, and it's key because our, I mean, we're spending, you, you get a 12 pack of coffee for $36, $3 a bottle, That like that cart size isn't very big. So if you're only buying once, it's, we can't do much to advertise, you know, like our, our CAC right now is closer to 40 or $50 through Google and Facebook ads. But if that forty or fifty is converting you to a subscription model, that lifetime value then becomes four or five or six hundred dollars right you're getting you're spending that thirty six every single month, which allows us to get more creative with how we market.
1: Have you seen any pushback or aggressiveness from competitors or other people in the same industry as a result of you now coming on the market?
0: Um sort of I, so like. Bulletproof has been around for a while, but they just launched their ready to drink, um, like 10 months ago. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, we were the, I guess the first to market in this enhanced category. That's not to say we, we created the category. So a lot of people will see us and be like, oh, you guys just copied Bulletproof or you just ripped off Bulletproof. And, and for me, like the best advice I ever got related to competition was when I was a, a freshman football player at Colgate. Uh, my coach grabbed me by the collar, and he was like, "Look, there's there's four other quarterbacks in this class. Do not watch them. Do not look at them. Focus on you." And that's exactly what I I, I did. Um, and like if if you if we're busy looking at the competition, we're not going to be able to uh, get get better ourselves, right? We'll, we'll we'll constantly be distracted.
1: That's awesome. I love that advice. For the future, what are some things that you're doing now with where you know the brand is at? What are some plans that you and your partners and your family have to kind of uh, take this and like where do you want to take it? Like where where do you want to see this go?
0: Yeah, yeah. So right now we're we're mainly concentrated in the, the mid Atlantic in the Northeast. Um, and, and that's a, a wide variety. This, this omni-channel approach, from grocery to C-store to food service, which includes college campuses and corporate offices. Um, we're in all the Wall Street banks and their cafeterias. We're in a lot of Silicon Valley tech hubs. Food service is the exception. We're, we're nationwide on colleges and offices. Um, where we where we want to go next is is really be this this national brand in the mainstream channel. So. Rather than focusing on Whole Foods, we want to be available in Target and Walmart and Seven Eleven, right? Because the reason this exists, the reason we're we're doing this is because we didn't want the Starbucks Frappuccino that had forty-six grams of sugar and three hundred calories, Mm -hmm. and that's the that's what's ubiquitous in this mainstream channel. Um, And we're we're priced at two ninety-nine, so like we're we're competitive with those guys, but we and, and we taste very similar to to a Frappuccino. So we want to be on the shelf in Walmart in the middle of America next to those co- competitors um, for, who, who inspired us to create the company.
1: Nice. And how are you going to make that happen?
0: Um, so it, it starts with focus, right? We, we For the last two and a half years, we've been really focused in our backyard and we've become the best-selling bottled coffee in many of the chains that we're in. And, and an influential chain up here in the Northeast is, is called Wegmans, 95 stores, family-owned grocery chain. And we've become the best-selling bottle of coffee in that chain by 300%. You know, we, we make up 41% of the bottled coffee sales in Wegmans. And that type of velocity and that selling story has attracted HEB down in Texas and, and Jewel Osco in the Midwest. And uh, it, it's, it's focusing your effort and your resources because you can't be everything to everybody at once. You can't mm-hmm. spread yourself too thin. And we have a really dedicated team uh, that's really focused on our market. And now it's now the challenge that we face is how can we replicate these results in in the new markets, which is an exciting challenge.
1: That is cool. And you said earlier, your team is about 15 people big right now.
0: Yeah, 15, 15 full time employees, which is a a challenge in itself. And is that that
1: that includes no, that that doesn't include who is, um, you know, brewing and packaging and, and shipping out or does it?
0: Um, no, those are all contracted. So this is, that, that is our internal team. Of the 15, eight of those people are, are sales reps, and mm-hmm. then seven of them are, are sort of executives in the, the corporate headquarters here in New York.
1: Okay, that's awesome. In terms of your success thus far, I'm curious to know what you feel has attributed to that mainly. Like, obviously, it's a great product. I've tasted it myself. It's awesome. So the product itself is great, and you absolutely, obviously, need a great product because if you have a crappy product just better marketing shows more people how crappy it is so it's working in terms of the product itself um but in terms of like the growth and success like how much do you think is also attributed to the marketing efforts kind of uh, behind it after the hu- kind of hustle scrappy period what have those marketing efforts uh what what have those really been are you doing ads or are you still going into stores and like like just literally hustling in that kind of way like you did in the early days or is there is there something i'm missing
0: no, you, you nailed it, man. And, and the big thing is that hustle. It's, we're, we're in stores every single weekend and our, our 15 employees manage about 50 brand ambassadors, five zero, uh, college kids and interns that are in stores pouring samples as well. So now we're just expanding that effort. And mm-hmm. the, the difference between us and, and, other food and beverage companies is they'll get an authorization and say a Whole Foods or something like a Shoprite or a Stop and Shop. And the, an authorization is, okay, you guys have four facings in this, in this cooler in 400 stores. The Most companies be been like, great. Let's go to the next store, right? Let's go to Target or let's go to Walmart. Whereas as soon as we get that authorization, that's where our work begins. We go into the stores, we build the relationships with the buyers. We say, Hey man, we have four facings over here, but in some of our other stores, we sell better when we have eight facings over here, you know, and, and that's just effort. There's no marketing tactic around it. It's showing up it's building a relationship it's it's pouring samples one by one and uh that's the 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 challenge now is how can you scale that without without uh spending more money than what you're making
1: what is a what is a facing exactly
0: a facing is just one spot on the shelf so like if if uh we're next to a a Starbucks a Dunkin and a Red Bull that's four facings super coffee Starbucks Dunkin Red Bull got it Okay, cool. Yeah. And
1: you literally just went in and were like, you know, we actually, we could probably sell more if we have a couple more because it's been proven to work in these other stores. Like, you're literally just telling them that and, and they're out, they're going, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, our guys now, they're building like 400 case pallet displays. You know, like when you walk into a grocery store and you see like the Anheuser-Busch or the Pepsi displays with like the blow up floats and stuff, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're doing. And we'll take pictures of that and bring it to the next store and be like, dude, that store down the street's cranking check it out. Let us make something like this in your store. And they're like, I want a crank too. Let's
1: do it. I love that. That's cool. Um, in terms of the space that you have, so it started out in the dorm room. I'm guessing it's not in the dorm room anymore. Tell me about kind of the facilities you have. Do you have like a, an office building for like the executive stuff and then a warehouse? Like, tell me, tell me what, what you got.
0: Yeah. So we're super asset light. Um, everything is contracted. I, I think the only assets on our books are like two or three laptops for, for the brothers. Cause our, our college laptops have since died. Um, and we, we contract the manufacturing, we contract the logistics to third party logistics facilities. Um, we have a really unique setup in New York. Uh, we work as an investor in our company. So we have a co-living and co-working arrangement with them, so we basically, we have a six person office in, in downtown Manhattan where we uh, we cram everybody into the office and that's on the fifth floor of this WeWork building. And then mm-hmm. above us is We Live, which is WeWork's new like fully furnished apartment complex or, or-
1: If you want the show notes for this episode and everything we talked about in terms of links and whatnot, just head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 337. Once again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 337. And then finally, I just want to say- Guys, take action. And even if you're a bigger brand, likely you could probably benefit from going back to the fundamentals, which this is really what it's all about. The fundamentals. And the big part of that is keeping it fun. Fun and fund. There's a lot of ways that I can chop up that word to make it relevant to business funds. You know, keeping it fund is how you get... Anyway, I'm done. Guys, take action. I love you guys. I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. That's cool. Yeah, man, let's do it.
1: So, I think one of the most interesting things that you had recently said was the fact that you're very asset light, meaning you aren't actually taking care internally of the manufacturing of the shipping of the warehouse and all that stuff. And I've found that now I've that, that me and Caleb are, are running through this invention and we've done the prototyping and now we're starting to get into logistics. There are services out there that can help you do these things. And I think I would love for you to speak to those in the audience who have these ideas but they just are like confused about the process. You guys are the epitome of somebody who's just taken this, this idea and have been able to f- figure it out, but not actually building the entire thing yourself, but still making it happen. How can you speak, like help me and others who are in that situation where we always have these blockages like, well, I don't know how to ship. I don't know how to pack. I don't like, how, how can you help us just wrap our mind around the fact that you don't need to know that, but how can we ensure that we still connect with the right places or people?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so there's solutions out there for everything. And, and for us, it started with our strengths and our weaknesses, basically. Like, we're terrible designers, right? So, like, we couldn't create pretty sell sheets or pitch decks or anything like that. Um, so Fiverr and Upworks are two apps where you can contract freelancers and, and people for, that'll work for, for pretty cheap, um, to, to, uh, come in and, and design for you. So that's, that's one solution. You used Fiverr like, early and Upwork?
1: On in in your in your business?
0: Yeah. In the early days, yeah. yeah. Like when we when we needed like a logo or a label, we would just contract it out to, uh, to to agencies like that.
1: Yeah, that's so cool because you know, I share Fiverr and Upwork and other places every once in a while and there seems to be sometimes a negative connotation like no, that's that's like the cheap end of of the spectrum. You need to kind of hire a designer right away, which you know, it's great to have your own in-house designer or a team of specifically designers, but case in point, what you guys got going on, I mean, you just started out, you don't have much money to start with. So you go to these places and it's, it's obviously worked out. And I'm guessing that over time you've kind of upgraded things. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so the other thing, I guess, getting back to your initial question about logistics and factory and manufacturing and all that, um, there's, there's levels to this where like, they're not a, a world-class factory or, or shipping company. Isn't going to work with a, a dorm room company that has is selling 10 bottles a week to, to one store, right? Like the mm-hmm. So you, you, in the early days, there's no, there's no alternative. There's no solution for that, that scrappiness or that effort or that resilience to, to get your product out there. And that we've, we've gone through three or four manufacturers to get to where we are today. And we're on our third shipping company to get to where we got to today. And um, the the more the more demand you strum up in the market, and the more press like the Shark Tank stuff. After Shark Tank, we we probably got like hundred calls from hundred different shipping solutions. Um, mm-hmm. So there there are answers out there. And I, I think my best advice for for people who are into it uh, or or looking to get into it. Is don't be, don't be overwhelmed, right? If you, if you stand at the bottom of the mountain and look at the top, you're going to be like, damn, I'm never going to get there. But if you start taking steps one step at a time, you, you certainly will. Um, and ask people who have done it before. Like that's the thing that I, I'm trying to preach on our team now as we grow. These guys face their own challenges every single day and luckily they're all resourceful. However, like the time it takes them to solve a problem their way. I'm like, there's been hundreds of beverage companies that have solved this very same problem. So let's go see how they're doing it, right? Or call a friend or reach out to somebody on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is an invaluable resource. I mean, if, if I don't know what you and Caleb are looking to start, but look, find find your competitor on LinkedIn and call them up. You know, they don't know who you are yet.
1: Yeah, dude, epic advice, man. And, and Jim, thank you for being here. Uh, Jim DeSico from drinksupercoffee.com, one of the three bros there. Jordan, Jake as well, uh, our best regards to, to them. Tell them we said hi and hello and congrats. And um, where should people go to check out Super Coffee?
0: Yeah, man, this is awesome. Check us out at drinksupercoffee.com. On Instagram, we are at drinksupercoffee. Um, on our website, drinksupercoffee.com, discount code SPI20 is good for 20% off your order. Thank you guys all so much for listening to this. In uh, fact, man. this has been a pleasure.
1: Yeah. Thank you for uh, throwing I didn't know that you were going to do that. So I appreciate that. We all do. And, um, dude, best of luck with everything. Looking forward to, uh, I'm actually going to go and find your episode on Shark Tank right now and, and and watch it, but, uh, best of luck with everything. And thanks again.
0: You're the man. All right. Have a good one, brother.
1: All right. That was awesome. I hope you enjoy that episode with Jim from super coffee. You can find him at drinksupercoffee.com. And like Jimmy said there, Use the discount code SPI20 for 20% off. That's super cool. I didn't realize it was going to do that. A lot of great information today. If you want to check out the show notes and the resources and also comment on this podcast episode, all you have to do is go to the show notes page at smartpassiveincome.com slash session336. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session336. Make sure you hit subscribe on your device, whatever... However you're listening to this right now, if you happen to be listening on the website, just pick your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I appreciate you for that. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. I look forward to serving you next week. Until then, just keep crushing it, guys. Hit subscribe. We'll see you the next one. Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com.